Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. Our topic is Roadmap for Transformational Supervision, Part 1. Roadmap for Transformational Supervision, Part 1. In fact, this is such an important topic that uh, I almost made it a chapter. It deserved a chapter in the book, The Emotionally Healthy Leader, uh, where I talked about planning and decision-making as a chapter, culture and team building, power and wise boundaries, endings and new beginnings. Uh, but this is such a large topic and deserves its own treatment. I realize now it really needed a chapter or needs a chapter. Uh, and uh, it's really about what does it look like to supervise people? Because it's one of the most important tasks for every one of us in leadership, but especially for Christian leaders because we're not simply concerned about getting a task done. Uh, We're also concerned about people's inner life in Jesus, their formation, because you can't separate spiritual formation and work performance. Uh, They are inseparable. What's interesting is that the formation of the people we're supervising, it's two-way. In other words, just by the very act of supervising people, uh, it forces us to grow up, forces you to grow up and mature. Uh, it's deeply formational because, as you will see, not just this week, but next week, uh, it touches a lot of deep issues inside of us. And I'm talking about supervising, whether it's paid people or uh, volunteers. Uh, So a spirituality of supervision is not simply coordinating work, uh, a person's work around the whole larger whole. It's not quite mentoring. It's not coaching Uh, And it's not simply helping people reach their goals. Supervision involves a very unique exercise of power. I'll define power as the capacity to influence. Uh, And we do this in the name of Jesus and for Jesus. And I'm really uh, serving the person I'm supervising uh, to reach the priorities that I I believe that God has for our ministry. Uh, that's for this reason. This is this has to be learned. Um, And so this week I want to give a foundation of a roadmap for transformational supervision. Uh, And then next week, I I really need a second week for this talk about some case studies, hiring, firing, hierarchy, differentiation, boundaries, power. Uh, There's just a lot, so much more around it, but I've got to lay a foundation here this week of what a roadmap looks like. What is the roadmap for transformational supervision? And then we got to get into all the nuances and some of the complexities that naturally come up. So my first 20 years uh, of being a lead pastor were a struggle uh, with regards to supervision. Very difficult for me. I came from a blue-collar family. Uh, You know, the only supervision I saw uh, was chaotic, and at least in the family uh, pastry, Italian pastry business. Uh, And then I worked for—so I I never saw a good model. I worked for a parachurch ministry for three years after graduating college. Uh, I was a teacher of high school English for a year— uh, but when we worked in, in the parachurch ministry, we were a team, and we were all on equal footing. My my role may have been more apostolic, evangelistic, uh, but it was really a sense of there weren't really supervisors. We were kind of all in this thing together. So when I planted our church, uh, I was 31 years old. I really didn't know what I was doing with regards to the building of the, uh, you know, a Christian organization. What, what does that look like? And so I started in my early years of pastoring, and very quickly I had people that I was supervising, volunteer, and then eventually paid. Uh, I didn't. I just thought of we're body, we're the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. Uh, you know, we pray. I 
I, I, there was very little accountability and supervision for people's performance. I've kind of functioned on my parachurch model that we're all in this thing together. We're a team. But I was angry a lot. Uh, I didn't have what we call emotionally healthy relationship skills. Uh, I had a very low differentiation. I had a poor understanding of power. I hope people would get the hints that they needed to change or grow or do things differently. Or maybe in some cases, I pray they'd leave. Uh and, and then, you know, eventually out of all that frustration as we were growing, I, I went and learned from uh, the best business practices that were out there. Uh, I brought people in who were executive types, uh, executive pastors at other churches, often large churches. And they kind of did the corporate thing of how you supervise people. And, you know, if you remember the, uh, you know, I remember going to conferences to learn about best practices for the church coming out of the marketplace of the business world. So I read all kinds of books, secular books on supervision and team building, et cetera. And some of them had some good ideas. And and I fell into, into really two extremes uh, in the exercising of the power of supervision. I would shrink back from it, uh, shrink back from doing it thoughtfully or honestly and prayerfully. Or sometimes I would get frustrated and wield it too aggressively. So I did both extremes. So my struggle with supervision was very Long. I mean, I'm talking 20 years. I often say it, you know, to people, it, it wasn't until my 20th year that I felt like I really got it. And my last six years as lead pastor that uh, I really understood what emotionally healthy supervision is, or I'll call it a roadmap for transformational supervision looks like. And so, again, I imagine many of you listening to me, uh, you do what I did. Uh, and I'll just simply call it the standard way we do it in most churches. And basically, you meet with people that you're supervising. You hope there's no major problems, surface problems in their lives, because you've got a lot of work to do. You're in a, you've got a lot of things to do. You're in a rush. Uh, you touch on their their personal life. You say, how are you? You hope everything's fine, uh, because you want to get moving. There's a lot of work to get done. You look at the objectives and goals of your ministry and and what they're supposed to be doing, and you, you hope to help them move uh along that way. And maybe you give them a few insights and ideas to move the ball downfield. But most importantly, you want these folks to get their job done. And you're thinking, hey, we want to grow the ministry, double the ministry, multiply small groups or worship teams, or raise up volunteers in children's church or get ushers in place or you know, do this new outreach in the community. Um, and you want to move this ball down the field, basically. And I remember getting counsel from one um, well, at the time, quite famous uh, executive pastor. He was then a consultant. And he said to me, listen, Peter, if people aren't doing their job, uh, give them double the work so they'll hopefully get frustrated and leave or take careful notes for six months of them not doing their job uh, and then basically confront them and let them go. And that was it. Uh, you know. So the question is, how is supervision in uh, an emotionally healthy leadership or discipleship? How is it different? What makes it distinct? Again, volunteers are paid uh, because people are paid and spe specifically for a role. Only a few people can get paid. And we have a responsibility to steward people's gifts and talents and the money uh, that the ministry has. But actually, this applies to volunteers as well. Um, so I want to break down this roadmap specifically into three segments. Uh, Pre-meeting, before you meet with the person. Secondly, the meeting itself you have with this person. And then after the meeting, post-meeting. So you have pre-meeting, the meeting itself, and post-meeting. Before I launch onto this roadmap and explaining it, let me just say this. Those people that you are overseeing 
are not simply a means to get the work done. They actually are the work to which God has called you to. And the reason for that is because minimally transformed leaders will always result in a minimally transformed team doing minimally transforming ministry. In other words, how can we expect it to be any other way? So that's why a spiritual supervision uh, in deeply anchored in Christ is going to involve a lot of work. Uh, but if we don't invest this time in people's development, both personally and professionally, and you know in their roles, uh, there's going to be a decline in the actual effectiveness of our ministries. It's inevitable. So again, what might it look like to supervise? I'm, I'm going to use the example here, a pastoral person on your team. Okay, now we can adjust this for part-time people versus full-time, administrative, operational, volunteer staff, but the principles remain the same. And again, we'll talk about these nuances next week uh, specifically. But now let, let me just lay out to you the roadmap for transformational supervision here. And again, this emerged out of, again, 20 years. So here's the three segments. The pre-meeting uh, first. Uh, so in the pre-meeting, before you even meet with this person, you want to pray. In other words, you want to, each week you want to bring this person before God, listening to him, the Holy Spirit, for your time together. Uh, and just, again, you're, you're remaining profoundly aware of this is a privilege and it's a responsibility I have of, of extending your the influence of what God has given you as a person through the supervision of this other people, this other person. In other words, your, your impact of your person is now going to come through this other person and actually be multiplied. So in this pre-meeting phase, First, you, you pray. And then you want to think, uh, thought. The second big phase here is before you meet with the person, you're thinking, what does this person need uh, for their continued formation, their continued growth and transformation in Jesus? Uh, then you're going to think, what do they need in their professional development uh, uh, to grow into this role? Again, think of a children's person or maybe someone supervising hospitality or uh, volunteers in a parking lot or uh, worship team or setup uh, or someone administratively, what, who might be some people that can resource them? Uh, and now again, you're always remembering you're not the only source of development for them. By no means. I, I wouldn't take that responsibility on by any means. I mean, humility is recognizing your own limits. But I want to resource them to learn from other people along the way. And then thirdly, as part of this pre-meeting, I want to ask them for a half-page written report. Uh, and I want to get that in advance. And my one of our, our uh, staff at New Life Fellowship years ago developed a, a nice five Ps to kind of break it down. Uh, his name is Peter Roden. And uh, you want to ask the, these five things in a written report, you know, personal spiritual formation. Number one, you know, how are things going with your soul? What plans do you have to nurture your formation and development? Two is what are the priorities for the week? So the second P is priorities. Uh, and in particular, what are your quadrant two items. Uh, now, that quadrant two phrase comes out of Steve Covey's work, famous book, Seven Habits of Effective Leaders and Highly Effective Leaders. And uh, he talks about quadrant two are the things in our that we do for priorities that aren't urgent, but they're important for long-term you know, impact. And uh, if you don't know about quadrant two, setting a quadrant two priority, that's things that are important, not urgent, I encourage you to check out, you know, Steve Covey's work, Seven Habits of, I think it's of Highly Effective Leaders. Uh, and you can probably find it on, on Google and internet. It's very simple, but it's it's those things that they're not, they're not 
you know, they're they're really important, but because of all the urgent needs, phone calls and emails to return and social media to do, you don't get to them because the because the urgent stuff just crowds out the most important thing. So again, you're going to ask in that in that in that report for their personal spiritual formation, what they're doing. Number two, what are their priorities for the week or two weeks, depending on how often you meet with them. Thirdly, what are some puzzles that they're carrying? Again, that word puzzles comes out of a you know puzzles kind of questions, but puzzles they have about anything regarding the work. Uh, fourthly, people. Uh, who are the people they're investing in? Again, we're, we're going to create a culture that multiplies disciples. Uh, and so just like hopefully you're investing in them, they're going to be investing in other people. Uh, we're about people investment, not simply getting tasks done. And then finally, praise. Uh, what are some celebrations they have of what God's doing? Okay, so, so uh, you know, you want to just note that, uh, you know, again, here's a little small half-page written report. Let me repeat it one more time for those of you who may want to pull over from your car and just write notes real quickly. Your personal formation, spiritual formation, what are they doing? Priorities for the week, puzzles they're carrying, people they're investing in, and then praise reports, celebrations that they want to share with you. And they, they send this to you in advance. Uh, so they're doing a little bit of work. Now, the second is the actual meeting itself. So here you are. Uh, now you're meeting. Now you've had some time pre-meeting to pray, to think, to look at the report. And so you're coming in with some kind of preparation, which is wonderful. So in the meeting, you're going to first make sure the atmosphere is good. So you're going to create and protect an unhurried space. In other words, no phones, no interruptions, no texting, no no taking texts. You want to be face-to-face with this person, eye-to-eye with them. And then I, I would encourage you to begin with prayer. Take a minute, maybe two minutes, for silence and stillness. Surrender your will to God's will. Invite them to surrender their will to God's will, that God's you know, purpose and kingdom might come. Uh, in your meeting, opening opening yourselves both up to the love of God and and for the Holy Spirit to guide and fill you both for this time. And then there's going to be four questions you want to make sure that you ask on a regular basis for your meeting. There are four areas that you want to touch on in this meeting. Uh, and you'll notice three of the areas have to do with their, their formation. One has to do with their actual uh, tasks that they're assigned to do. So there's a proportion here um, that's significant because, again, work performance and personal formation are inseparable. So here's the four questions that you want to ask them. The first is, how are your rhythms and your time with Jesus going? How are your rhythms and your time with Jesus? In other words, tell me about your your being with Jesus out of what you're doing for Jesus. How is that going? How are you living out a a rule of life in this season? How has God been coming to you? Uh, And I'm listening during that time. and, And, you know, and... And you know, why is this important? Uh, the rhythms and time with Jesus, because I, I'm, I understand that be before you do is is core to the kind of a power flowing out of our ministry, being with Jesus, out of which we do for Jesus, and that who we are is way more important than what we do. We're not just simply about gifts and performance. We're about the life of Jesus pulsating through our veins, and we cannot give what we do not possess. And the state you are in is the state you give to other people. And so, again, I'm asking these questions about how are your rhythms and time with Jesus? You know, what are they learning? What are they reading? What are their next steps for growth personally? Uh, because this, the ministry is going to flow out of their person. In fact, I will probably touch on with some folks, what are some vulnerabilities or emotional triggers that maybe are manifesting themselves at work for them, uh, especially under stress? 
And uh, and so, especially for folks, you know, I do genograms with people. If I'm supervising folks, I will do a genogram with them at some point just to kind of get a sense of uh, what are their vulnerabilities and what are the areas they want to work on. And I can then ask about that very specifically. So again, let me just mention, uh, uh, you know, learn about genograms. You want to go to, uh, we have some uh, wonderful free resources for you on uh, on how to, gen- how to do a genogram, how to develop a rule of life, stuff for, for staff teams, for people you can use so well in supervision that you want to master some of this material uh, that we've made available at Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. Uh, you know, check out our website again, emotionallyhealthy.org, especially slash team. Uh, you're going to see some really excellent resources uh, around a rule of life, Sabbath, uh, how do you do a genogram with someone? Really good stuff. And I'll mention another part of that uh, towards the end of the podcast here. So you're going to ask first about how are your rhythms and your time with Jesus? And secondly, you're going to ask, how is your marriage or singleness going? How's your marriage or singleness going? Now, again, this comes out of a theology that we're called to be a living sign and wonder of God's love for the world through our marriages, if we're married, or through our singleness, if we're single. So uh, if you're at, if you're with a single person, for example, you may say, you know, how are you creating delight in your life and setting healthy boundaries with the ministry? Uh, how are you doing? How, how are you cult- how are you cultivating uh, your close relationships? Uh, if you're married, a married person, you may say, you know, how, how you know how is your spouse? You know, how, how is it going in terms of investing in the quality of your marriage? Uh, what are you doing proactively to invest? Uh, in your quality of marriage and growing into being a sign and wonder for Jesus. But I'm going to ask that question uh, because uh, you cannot separate their, not just their walk with Jesus, but their singleness and marriage as well from their performance. It, it, it's so interrelated. So you're concerned about that. And thirdly, you're going to ask the question, tell me about your one to three top priorities and goals and the challenges you are facing. So the third question is, tell me about the, the one to three top priorities and goals and the challenges you're facing with them. So like other people in church, hopefully they've got a basic job description. You've agreed on some basic goals, and we would do annual, you know, semi-annual reviews with people. Now, these are sometimes difficult conversations. So I always want to remain current on what are their priorities and their goals and ensure that expectations are clear and they're spoken, and they're conscious, and they're agreed upon, and they need to be agreed upon. And, you know, what is God's measure of success for their ministry? These are tough questions. And, like, I remember I was just so blessed when, uh, a number of years ago, the the treasurer of our church, and uh, she shared how she was, you know, meeting with her assistant that she had just hired uh, and doing her rule of life. And no one even asked her to do that. Uh, But, it was so in the culture at that point. Because you know, so we're building culture when we're doing supervision. A lot's happening in that ecosystem there for the whole culture as you do this well. And you got to be asking them, what are some roadblocks they're encountering? You know, uh, maybe they need longer times away for some planning and prayer with their own team. Uh, and, and you want to ask them about, you know, are there any elephants in the room that they need to be confronting that maybe they're not? And and again, hopefully you're modeling this for them in your own relationships. But again. These, even as you get into what are your top one and three priorities, what are some challenges you're facing, this assumes you have mastered some basic skills uh, that we call emotionally healthy relationship skills. Uh, I didn't have them in the early years, and it made it very difficult. I'm talking about things like I'm puzzled, or I notice, and I prefer, or speaking clearly, 
uh, honestly and respectfully in a timely fashion. I didn't know how to do that. So I was always beating around the bush. I wasn't honest. Um, uh, clarifying expectations is one of the skills. Stop mind reading is one of the skills. So uh, th th it's really critical that you, uh, you, you get a handle on what we call the eight basic relationship skills that we teach the entire church. That's, that's the part two. That's the Emotionally Healthy Relationships course. Uh, and I want to really encourage you, you, you really got to master this because when you get into supervision, uh, now it's high-level nuancing, assuming you've got some basic skills and language to have sometimes a difficult conversation. Uh, so again, you can go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash team. And we've got four transformational videos there, one of which is take your community temperature reading. It's one of the skills. And I would encourage you just to give you a taste of it, go to that. Uh, and watch it. Uh, it's session one. Uh, it's one of the skills, community temperature reading, and it'll give you a feel of what I'm talking about here, about the importance of getting some your own uh, skills down as you're having these conversations of supervision with people. Again, go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash team and uh, check out the community temperature reading. Uh, it's a great tool, and you'll see how it applies in a variety of ways. So then there's a fourth question. So here's the, again, we're meeting, you're meeting with the person. You're asking, one, how are your rhythms in time with Jesus? Secondly, how's your marriage and singleness going? Thirdly, tell me about your top you know, one to three goals or priorities and, and any challenges you're facing. And then fourthly is you're going to ask, what is your next step for your own development and growth, both personally and in your ministry? What's the next step for your own development and growth? See, here's the expectation that anyone you're supervising is growing. They're taking initiative. They're looking for opportunities to grow personally and in their area of ministry. Now, the word initiative is key. Uh, that uh, We, we want to build a culture where we, we're just growing in Jesus. And uh, in fact, as a rule of thumb, uh, I would set money aside, not just time aside, but encourage people to engage at least one activity for development outside the church to grow in their area. Um and you want to be you know, driving that. Some people are just natural at it. Many people are not. But that this is part of the way they love the people they're serving is making sure they're investing in their growth. And then in the same way, you then are reinforcing that and doing that for them as well. So you want to keep those four questions in mind. So bam, you have a meeting. Hopefully it's a great meeting. And then you've got after the meeting. We'll call it post-meeting. So you have the pre-meeting preparation. You've got the meeting itself. Then you've got the post-meeting, which now, prayer, Again, I, I want to make sure I have space to pray for them and their ministry, and I want to listen to God for any additional insights from our time together. Now, here's the interesting about it. My best ideas and thoughts have often come after the meeting. I mean, I can't tell you how often Jerry and I will be even uh, mentoring someone and we'll be spend time with someone, but it's it's when we talk about it afterwards, all kinds of stuff comes out for us, and then there's a follow-up for them, you know, and we'll call them back and say, have you thought about this? And uh but that post-meeting time is key. Now, I know, now uh, I'm not this organized, but I know many other really good supervisors uh, who make follow-up notes and agreed upon items. And some, I, I know, you know, one excellent supervisor at New Life for years, who would, he would send an email of a summary of the agreed upon action items. You know, I'm just not that good uh, at this. But, uh, uh, and again, you want to take time to ponder. Are there any other ways I can serve them that I may have missed during our time together? You know, what further development might I need 
to improve my supervision of them. Uh, so again, uh, so often the best ideas and thoughts will come afterwards of that time together. So you have the pre-meeting, the meeting, and the post-meeting. So the question, of course, is how often do we meet, Pete, and for how long? Well, that will depend on so many factors, right? That person's level of maturity, experience. Uh, but I would say this. I'd like to recommend at least one to two hours uh, for unhurried space at least once a month. With newer staff, we recommend at least twice a month, but often weekly when people are beginning. Again, it's important to discern your limits, your calling, what's God asking you to do. Uh, but remember, those you oversee are not simply a means to get the work done. They actually are the work to which God has called you. And God is working not just in them through it, but in you. And in doing so, you God's working on your own formation. Uh, yes, is this hard work? Absolutely. Uh, but it is fruitful. It is rich. You're building culture. It's like you're building a great ecosystem of a transformational environment. So this area, again, of transformational supervision is not a small one. It is a large one. So I want to invite you to do this. Um, next week, I'm going to I'm going to take this roadmap. I'm going to nuance it. I'm going to deepen it. I'm going to expand it. I'm going to share some case studies that I have from my own life and experience. But I also want to invite you to send in some case studies as well. Now we're going to talk about hiring and firing, a bit on power and boundaries with paid positions people have and non-paid, dual relationships, hierarchy and genogram, differentiation, yours and theirs. Uh, but I want to invite you to send in case studies. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to put a form uh, for you to actually use on my social media this week on my Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, uh, and just go at Pete Scazzaro. That's at Pete Scazzaro. And uh, it's going to have a few simple questions like, you know, just what's this, what, tell me a couple facts about your ministry and church to give me a sense of context. Describe one challenging problem or situation you're facing with regards to supervision. Then you're gonna, what attempts have you made so far to address it? Uh, what's the, ch you know, what's from where you are now, what do you think might be some next steps in the supervision? And what questions are you holding regarding supervision? Now, you can send this in anonymously, okay? Feel free. Uh but I'm going to, again, I'm going to put it on social media a few times this week. And I want to invite some of you from around the world to send it in to info at emotionallyhealthy.org. And uh, I will, I'll look at them. I'll read all of them. And I'll pick a few for this coming week uh, and uh, for part two and integrate it into the part two on a roadmap for transformational supervision part two. So again, given that this is built on a foundation of a mastery of the Emotionally Healthy Relationships course. It's part of the EH Discipleship course. Uh, I, I'm talking about a shared language, some shared commitments, uh, skills to clarify expectations, a ladder of integrity, ability to speak clearly and respectfully, et cetera. Let me just finally encourage you once more, go go check out on our website at emotionallyhealthy.org slash team uh, some of the transformational videos we have for leadership teams that I, I that I know will serve you in this process of redoing how you do supervision. If you can make this shift, I know it sounds like a lot initially, but this is liberating. This is going to save you from so many problems, so much time, and will create a culture and an environment of joy, of fruitfulness, of life. People will want to work for you. They'll want to be under you because it'll be a gift. And again, sadly, 
It took me a very long time to figure this thing out. Lots of trials and errors and mistakes. But this roadmap, I, roadmap, I pray and I trust will serve as a foundation that you can nuance and uh, adapt to your person, your gifting, your anointing, your context, your environment, uh, and really take you forward. Uh, and again, we can build churches that multiply for the glory of Christ, and we can, in the process, multiply leaders and disciples. And then they will, if you do it for them, they'll naturally do it to other people. That's the beauty of creating a healthy culture. It's got its own multiplying effect. So thank you. Uh, this has been a great joy uh, this week. I can't wait till next week uh, in part two uh, to talk about Roadmap for Transformational Supervision Part 2. So I pray you have a wonderful day. Uh, I hope that you enjoy this podcast at least half as much as I enjoyed preparing and giving it. So God bless you, everyone. Have a wonderful day and see you next week.